Welcome to In the Isles, the movie and TV podcast that tries to be everything to everyone all at once. You're James. I'm James. Who are you? I'm I'm Dan. Why don't you know this? It's nearly 100 episodes. I'm right. episode, 19, episode 99. The penultimate. No, that implies we're finishing. We're not. This week, we're going to talk about what we've been watching. We have some real news and our main review is everything everywhere all at once the critically acclaimed absurd action comedy family drama yeah i see why there's a question mark in your tone um it's it's everything that you've just said but yeah we're, we're delivering this review to you just in time for you not to be able to watch it in cinemas <laughs> oh but before we get to that james how was your platy jubes? Oh, platy jubes. My, oh, let me tell you, my platy jubes. I looked up what events are happening in uh, in Manchester, and on the Manchester City Council website, they said that Piccadilly Gardens is having a platy jubes thing, and we went down just because we felt like we want to go out, just leave the house, and got there. They'd basically just set up a sort of market stall mini Christmas market thing and two of two of two sets of market stalls were on raised wooden platforms. One of them had a stage that was a man, I think he was a DJ, but it looked like he was just playing music just as is. And that was it. And uh, it was yeah, not good. Went home, didn't do anything else. But we have enjoyed I've enjoyed the uh, television broadcasts though by the BBC. Did you catch sight of Jerry Halliwell's extremely forced message to the Queen? I was the Daily Mail drew my attention to it. I didn't watch any of it myself. I intend to. By the time it's old hat and no one cares. But did you see that bit? It was. It looked like she was in some sort of hostage situation. No, I didn't see that. I, I want to see it now though. Seek it out. It's awkward as all hell. It is troublesome, shall we say? Okay. Well, there we go. Um, Platy Jubes, obviously, I, I said it, um, really annoys me. Really yeah. annoys me. It makes me sick in my mouth whenever anyone says it. Yeah. yeah. But I think most, like us, I think most people are saying it in a mocking way. Mm. No, no. Platinum, well, no. The Platinum Jubilee is what we're talking about for international listeners that do exist. No, they do. I'm, I'm laughing, but yeah, they do. Yeah. So, I, so are people saying platy jubes unironically? Oh, hell yeah. Yeah. And it's, oh, it's embarrassing. Me, me and my partner, we were saying before, she's going to take this sort of trend that's happening and she's going to go into work tomorrow and say, anybody up for a cap of choo-choo at Starbies and see how that yeah. goes down. Um, and I'm sure other people will say, what are you talking about? Please don't do that again. To which she'll throw in the first. Well, don't say pl- platitudes on it ever again. But nobody probably will because it's not going to happen again in our lifetimes. Yeah, it actually won't, will it? That's no, definitely not. Definitely yeah. not. We'll be long dead. Yeah, and even I just think, I look at Charles and William, and but not William's son. He's still got a chance. But Prince and William already must be thinking we'll never get to seventy years. Health concerns. No, the, the, the... oh sorry, yeah. They won't reach. They won't reach seven. So they're just thinking, well, which, which jubilee am I going to get? What's the first one called? The rusty, know. rusty jubilee. 
Rusty Jubes. Come. <laughs> oh, yeah. Do you want to hear about mine? Yeah. What's going on? Yeah. Yeah. Okay. We'll cut this down, probably. Maybe. We'll see. So we had the choice of going to, this will mean nothing to international listeners, uh, Horwich Platinum Jubilee, which is the local town near us, their celebrations. And then there was Lee, which, no offence, there's no listeners in Lee, I don't think, but it's seen as a dive. Anyway, what happened was, was the complete reverse of what we expected to happen. Went to Horwich, abysmal. Not abysmal, they put on a good show. But there was just not a lot of people there. So we said, oh, should we sack this off? We've just paid £8 for a burger, which was a piece of meat on a bun with no salad or sauce. Ridiculous. Let's go to Lee. Went to Lee. Absolutely mental. Full of people. Bursting with activity. And I thought, we should have done this in the first place. And there was a guy who was uh, an escapologist and magician called Chris Cross. And he proceeded to insult the entire audience and make inappropriate jokes throughout the whole thing, which just glued me to him. So there was a guy who, I didn't think he looked that shifty, but he went, oh, if anyone wants to buy a 20 bag, probably go to this guy over here. Oh, if you want such and such thing, have a a look at the guy with the flesh-coloured hair. Insulted a bald guy, called somebody a drug dealer, then there was someone else, and he said, oh, I love, it's been a while since we've met up. What's the pram about? You told me the test was negative. That's not family-friendly content. No, it seriously wasn't, and I, I feared being picked out from the bunch, so we swiftly moved on after that. But, uh, yeah, yeah, that's that, that was my platy jubes. I've said it for the last time. I'm not going to say it again. It's embarrassing. Should we get into content? Yes, yes, content content james what the devil have you been watching in the last two weeks no surprise i have watched obi-wan kenobi shaking your head i'm I'm shaking my head because i thought you'd reached a level where you were just done and i thought if he i was so intrigued to know whether you'd just go nah do you know what i'm not i've not bothered i have not bothered but you caved and i've heard it might be worth it tell me is it true it wasn't worth it i'm not i'm not a fan not oh, into wow. it. Don't like it. No good. Oh, okay. Where where do I start? And I, okay, Are we going to so, lose listeners? I don't know. <laughs> oh. You are in the minority, as far as I hear. But I'm so dying for you to slay this. Go it depends, for it. it. Depends where you look. Right. So Obi Wan Kenobi, ten years after the events of Revenge of the Sith, is living in a cave. And he's watching over Luke Skywalker, waiting to train him. But then, spoilers, uh, a Leia is, is kidnapped by the Inquisitors. The Inquisitors are like Sith. And Obi-Wan Kenobi is summoned by Leia's adopted father to say, oh, please rescue Leia. So Obi-Wan Kenobi goes on a quest to rescue Leia. There are a lot of good responses to it, and many the most enthusiastic responses seem to just say, "Great to see Ewan back." Just his first name, not second name, or, or just his surname, Ewan, because everyone's on first name terms with, with this man. Great to see Ewan back, and that's why it's good. 
episode three. Great to see Darth Vader. Nine out of ten, just for that. So the the, the central idea that they had with it, obviously, is that oh, Obi Wan Kenobi is traumatized. He's worn down. He isn't motivated. Right, I get that. But that seems like that was the one idea that you've had and you've stretched it out over six episodes and three episodes in, he's still a bit useless and unmotivated. And it's no it's no fun to watch someone just going around being really fed up all the time. And he's he's got no agency. He's a passenger in his own story. He's getting meeting random side characters and being told, oh, go up there and get on this ship. Or Leia says, oh, let's go over here and do this. And he meets another character who says, oh, go through this tunnel. That's what happens in episodes one, two, and three. And it was hyped like this would be a cinematic level piece of epic content. It's not. It's cheap. It's cheap. You can see they've not put money into it. In episode three, he turns up in yet another desert planet and yet another isolated settlement in a desert planet. And the sets look like Star Trek The Next Generation set, like quality. You can just see they've put some... uh, put some MDF up, spray painted it and just thrown some crap at it and said, right, that's the set. Let's, let's, let's get on with it. Um, it ah, the music's bad. There's, there's one scene that is good where Obi-Wan talks about his, his past and when he originally became a Jedi and he talks about what the, what the force means to him. But apart from that, there's three hours and not much of it is very memorable in terms of the actual words that are being said. The words that are being delivered by the actors on screen that you listen to and your brain processes processes the words, none of it makes you think, oh, that's good. I'm really into this. This is good. It's purely, look, here's Hugh McGregor wearing the costume again. Here's Darth Vader again. Please give it a 10 out of 10. And I'm not into it. I'm not well. I'm just, there's, there's another thing that there was um, in episode one, there was a slow and pathetic chase scene where three grown men can't chase down a 10-year-old girl in a forest after they were surrounding her to start off with. Episode two, it's Leia. Leia is standing right next to Obi-Wan Kenobi. She manages, manages to run away from him. And it's another slow-paced chase, chasing after a girl. Episode three, finally see Darth Vader confront Obi-Wan Kenobi, get to see Hayden and Ewan because I'm on first name terms with them you get to see Hayden and Ewan together again and Obi-Wan Kenobi takes one look at Darth Vader, looks around and then pathetically slowly runs off to the side and it's another weird tensionless chase scene but it's a chase scene where Ewan is running around and Darth Vader just keeps teleporting to different places He's not actually teleporting, but the way it's directed so poorly, it seems like Darth Vader's just teleporting to these different locations. And it's really bad. It's not good. It's not good. Well, props to you for having the balls to say it as it is, because all I've heard is just fan glory for this. Just saying, oh, it's amazing. IMDb, 9 out of 10. And I thought, surely not. Surely not. You've just all been wrapped up in the bubble that is Star Wars. Really surprised to hear that Disney, the juggernaut that it is, isn't plowing money into this, though. I think they are, but I think that the in maybe 90% of the budget has gone into paying Hugh McGregor. Yeah. Which really look a bit more motivated 
You know what I mean? Getting paid yeah. a lot of money. That's different actor and character. But yeah. In ep- in episode one and two, there's there's sweeping shots of big of big cities. But then when you get down to the actual the sets and the costumes, it's it's cheap looking. It's cheap. One thing I will say, because I've listened to a few other reviews, weirdly on gaming podcasts, they were very hot on this, but then had a lot of criticisms. So I thought, are you just, you feel like you have to like it because it's something you love and you're not giving your honest feelings. And one of the main pieces of feedback was the dialogue's a bit clunky. So make me make sense of this. There was something where, and I might be butchering this, there's a stormtrooper, and I think Ewan McGregor's there, and he references Leia, and then one of the stormtroopers says something like, did he just say Leia? Like, it was, like, really on-the-nose dialogue, which, like, just didn't allow you to... You're looking blank at me. I think I have... I know what you're talking about, yeah. So Obi-Wan and Leia are on a truck, a truck that uses wheels to move in the Star Trek universe, Star Wars universe, and... They say, oh, let's, we need to have fake names because we're on the run. Three stormtroopers get on this truck. Why they don't have their own transportation, I don't know, but they don't. And they get on the truck and then Obi-Wan Kenobi, because he's just useless idiot, he says, oh, what are you talking about, Leia? And then the stormtrooper goes, hey, that's not, the name that you said that's you didn't say rose you said her name was rose but you didn't say rose you said Leia instead and Leia isn't her name why did you say Leia when you previously said rose was her name that doesn't sound right yeah it was a bit it was a bit clunky you've emphasized that right yeah oh god <laughs> but it's 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 that it's that clunky but then he he explains his way out of it and it's fine so there was no point in having that bit of forced tension anyway. And, and is it fair to say, and you're, you're the lover of this franchise, not me, if there was a series that was going to capture you and make you fall in love with it again? Not that, not that you're completely out of love, that you still love the originals. And I don't know, we've discussed it ad nauseum. I don't remember the specifics, but... This was the one that should have brought you back in, and it's not. So, Andor and whatever else comes afterwards, oversaturation. Yeah, Andor. I'm guessing you're done. <laughs> yeah, I think the only thing that would be actually interesting from a creative standpoint is to fling the story like a hundred or two hundred years into the future, after the sequel trilogy, and just start again. Fair enough. Andor not interested because wasn't. A Rogue One fan, I guess. I was a Rogue One fan, but am I going to watch a whole series of that one guy? No. Just can't argue with that. Right. <laughs> just, to, just to pick up on this the point that you just said, though, is that, oh, but you love Star Wars. It, reading through the reading through comments, that I, people are saying, I'm just happy to get more Star Wars. And I don't think that's a good approach. Oh, it's got to, well, well, like, well, like, good for them. Like, good for them, but I'm not about that. So if they just want, if people want to say, I just want, I'm just happy to have more Star Wars. Hmm. That's fine, but that doesn't make something good for me at this point. Well, there's there's Star Wars for Star Wars' sake, isn't there? And I think that's 
what Disney have unfortunately done, which Marvel are very capable of doing. Oh, yeah. or maybe have done already. It's just too much of a good thing, maybe. Know your yeah. limits. And, and see if you can make sense of this. Um, I spent a lot of time reading the comments in, in preparation for this. So there's someone was saying, well, in reply to someone else, someone was saying, if you don't like the prequels, the sequels, or Obi-Wan, that means that you like less than half of Star Wars, and that means you're not a Star Wars fan. That's not your fault. You were. They fucked it up. That's what I take that to mean. It doesn't mean yeah. you're not a Star Wars fan. You were a fan yeah. of what Star Wars was, not what yeah. it is now. Yeah, yeah. That wasn't replying to me, by the way. I was just I was just lurking, not actually making comments. Right, James, what else have you been watching? <laughs> I'll be very, very quick. I will be brief. Prehistoric Planet. It's on Apple TV+. Plus. Have you heard of this? Yes, I started watching it and I thought, do you know what, David Attenborough? You don't know half of this to be true. You're making shit up. Bye. Turned it off. Fair enough. I just enjoyed it for the, the technical achievement. It's a nice uh, CGI show reel. And I just like to believe that they've got enough archaeological evidence to support what David Attenborough is describing and just choose to believe it and take it as a as, as a well-researched, very elaborate explanation of some archaeological finds that they've had. And did I say it's on Apple TV Plus? It is on Apple TV Plus, Prehistoric Planet. I would recommend it. It's good to just watch, listen to David Attenborough and get, get sucked in, get into a sort of trance watching all the CG dinosaurs run around. They don't look CG. I'll agree with you on that. Well, yeah, you can tell, but not really. It's very well done. It is very well done. Yeah, they do enough with real environments to make you believe that it's real. Like there's a, there's the camera in water, and it's actually a camera in water during a scene about a T Rex swimming. So it all it all works really well. All very good. Two other quick things following up from last week. I watched Outer Range. I watched all of Outer Range with Josh Brolin on Amazon Prime. Fantastic, brilliant. Recommended. Awesome. Loved it. You've stole the thunder from my... Because uh, <laughs> I didn't have a lot for my watch list. I was going to bring that back up again. Um, so we won't spoil it for people, but one of the things when I reviewed it initially, I don't think I even made any mention of how like insane it is tonally in parts. that. I didn't, did I? I don't think I did. No, you didn't. You mean the singing and the screaming mental dad? Yeah, just really like, where where has this come from? What is happening? <laughs> this feels out of place, but somehow not in this universe. I just thought it, it was brilliant. It was absolutely brilliant. And the last episode for me, I had no idea what was going to happen. So I'm, I'm not going to tell people, but there is... There's a scene with one of the sons, he's doing what he does, and I thought, this is going to end in tragedy. I have no idea where they're going to take this or how far they're going to go. And I was seriously like on the edge of my seat. I thought, I, I, I just felt tense all the way through the episode. And it should have been one of those things where it's so typical, isn't it, for a TV show to just drop the ball and just not have a satisfying ending. But for me even though it was a bit like um, Severance in that way. Loads of stuff not answered, like, at all. There are things that appear in episode two 
which just aren't even addressed again. We don't see it. We don't know what the outcome of it is, but I don't care because I just still had such a tense build-up in that last episode and actually did get a few answers to things that I didn't have before. I, I just love this show. And I really was not expecting to. I think it's one of my favourites this year, personally. Not expecting you to say the same, but that's just my honest thoughts. I, I agree with that statement. But what else have you been watching? So I watched something which, dependent on your region, if you're in the US, you might know it as Meadowlands. If you're in the UK, you'll know it as Cape Wrath. And I watched this in 2007. It's a, a Channel 4 programme. And all I remembered was that I liked it. It's really sinister and it's straight up my alley. And I said to my partner, I said, listen, we've got a bit of a lull. I don't know how we have a lull with all this stuff that's being released at the minute. But so we've nothing to watch. We're waiting for the boys and whatever. Let's let's just give this a go. I think it's really good from memory. And I'll I'll jump to the chairs. She did not view it that way. Um, She laughed throughout all the serious moments of this show. But anyway, first scene, you've got a family led by David Morrissey, his wife, who I've never seen in anything before, and his two future star children, played by Harry Treadway and Felicity Jones. And they're dropped off in the middle of this idyllic-looking estate, and they're blindfolded, and it's all a bit mysterious. Oh, what's going on? There's a bit of a mention to they're starting a new life, something horrible's happened in the past, and they're just starting afresh. But you might have guessed this perfect looking place, Meadowlands, is not as perfect as it may seem. And it's chock full of like really shady individuals. And we later find out, minor spoiler for a 15 year old show, that everyone's in witness protection or are criminals. Now, it was a bit of an experiment for me, this. I thought I'd, I'd do this very infrequently. I want to watch something that I really loved in my youth and see does it actually stack up in the present, given all my life learnings and whatnot. Probably not, probably doesn't, but it's so weird. It is so weird. Like that Tom Hardy, who was not a thing, just shows up as quite a central character for the first three episodes, and he's trying to do some proper off-the-wall acting that is a bit hit and miss as to whether it lands, but it does give it this very, very sinister tone. He's like a bit of a rapey vibe sort of character. That comes to fruition a bit later on. I don't know how to describe this show. It's unlike anything that you are still likely to see on British TV, despite the 15-year gap. It's a bit of an anomaly. I don't know whether you like it, but for the camp factor and how dark and brutal it goes in some parts, it might well be worth it. So, yeah, I've not really described much about what that's about, but give it a go if you're interested. Cape Wrath slash Meadowlands on Amazon Prime now. Okay. How many episodes is it? I think it's eight in total. What else have you been watching? Wasn't going to review this, but in the absence of doing any real planning, The Boys Season 3, only episode one. Have you watched this? No, I've not. I didn't realise it was coming out until I saw a very good poster on the um, Manchester Ring Road. So so hit me with it. I don't really know what I'm going to say about it, to be quite honest. Um, How would you describe our outlook of Season 2? I felt that we liked it, but we 
sort of felt it tailed off and was a bit of a letdown in the ending. Would that be fair to say? That's fair. That's fair. Yeah. Yes. The, this one starts with a bang. I don't know if you've read some of the interviews with the people involved with the production, but somebody said, I don't know who, the first 15 minutes will blow your mind. And I thought, well, what are they going to do? It's going to be overly violent or whatever. You will not predict what the first 15 minutes of this first episode is. It, I've never felt so physically sick in my life. It defied all expectation. Um, and I am talking about those first 15 minutes. But more importantly, I feel like this is getting back to the boys as it was. I mean, it's a very, very different turn in direction for the show. But at the same time, the stuff that I felt was missing in season two seems to be back. I might be misremembering it, but season one felt a bit more political in some respects. And season two, drop that. This is coming back into that sort of world. And I think it does it really well. And Homelander, I just sense that he is going to have a full-on psychotic break and it is going to be amazing there's little twitches in his face which i'm I'm just really appreciating the acting but early doors i've seen one episode but so far i'm down with the vibe of it i cannot wait to binge the next few episodes but we'll probably hate the fact that i have to wait for the rest but never mind right well i'll watch that as well and we can we can pick up on it in a future episode Sounds good to me. Maybe we'll do an in-depth season three review. Who knows? Mm-hmm. It's the real thing. It is now real, real news, news. The most exciting thing to discuss is box office numbers. Top Gun 2, Top Gun Maverick, according to The Hollywood Reporter, scores record 86 million dollar second weekend so it's over 500 million globally and what the record is is that it is the lowest drop in history for a movie opening to 100 million or more and it's tom cruise's biggest film in the u.s so it means doesn't this mean then that the word of mouth is so good that people didn't watch it in the first weekend and then they've gone it's supposed to be amazing. I have to go and watch it. That's what I think this means. Sorry, I feel like I've misunderstood you there. What's the drop then? Where's, where's been the drop? From, from from one weekend to another. I don't get your point then. Films always grow. Films always make the most money in the first weekend. Oh, and then they then, 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 drop there's, off, a, then yeah. there's a drop to the next weekend. Yeah, and if it's massive then that means that people have watched it, it's rubbish, and they've gone, oh, forget it, don't bother watching it. I think yeah. that was Eternals happened with. But this, it's, it's the lowest drop ever. Sorry, when you said lowest drop, I thought you meant it's dropped to the lowest. So I instantly, right. my brain didn't compute, and I thought that doesn't make sense. With it now, apologies. Yeah. Okay, so no, it's, it's my fault. I'm just, I'm just reading the headline from The Hollywood Reporter where like the, the terminology is just... Just, just thrown out there. That and you're uh, dealing with an absolute idiot. Yeah, yeah, yeah. What do you mean, yeah? yeah. What do you mean, yeah? But we, but we... <laughs> <laughs> this was one of my most anticipated films of 2020. I've still not watched it, but I am going to watch it. Yeah. I am 
going to watch it. It would have been a good piece of content for this episode, but I am going to to watch it. I'm sure you will as well. And we'll be one of these one of those people that have felt we have to see this. Yeah. I mean, we, we were texting each other, weren't we, during the week? And I said, as I'm sure you can attest to as well, I haven't heard one bad thing about this. And even anecdotally through family and friends, I know people who have never seen Top Gun. Hello. I'm one of them. Yeah, go on. You can stop listening. There's another one that bites the dust. Um, listener, that is. They loved it. They absolutely loved it. I can't wait to watch this. Can't wait. Yeah. It's not like, say, Doctor Strange 2, where reviews are positive, but the glaring issues with it were well known and discussed in every review, even if it was a positive review. Mm. This Top Gun, it, it just is good and it has no problems. It's perfect. That's the message. Again, <laughs> so perfect that everyone, even people who have a really, really forced opinion, are not even drawing attention to the fact that Tom Cruise is a Scientologist. It's ignored for this film. Yeah, that's how good it is. One thing I have seen is people commenting on the fact that Tom Cruise is. 59 years old, he's 60 in a, in one month. And there's a lot of people saying he, he's had work done and he has a very unnatural face and comparing him to being bloated last summer, but not now, which I think is just him having a very rigorous like diet and, and workout regime. So he's 59, but then so is the main star of this week's main review, Michelle Yo. She's 59. And she looks amazing as well. So maybe that is just how very healthy actors look when they're nearly 60. And Tom Cruise is 100% natural. That's what I'm trying to get at. I, well, teeth aside, I think we'd all agree. Yeah, that. yeah, yeah. That's, yeah, that's fair. Um, no, I'm, I, th- I think these articles are written by people who may be approaching that age and know that they're not going to age as seamlessly as he has. So I'm not going to listen to them at all. Yeah. You just well gel, platy-dubes, blah, blah, blah. Just, uh, yeah, anyway. <clears throat> yeah, but speaking of speaking of slang and, and being hip, Love Island is back. Sorry. In <laughs> seven In seven days, it's coming back. So by the time we record the next episode, it'll be out. And you Vanity will have watched Fair, all available episodes. <laughs> I want. I clicked on this article in Vanity Fair of all places, called "How Love Island Became a Reality." No, how Love Island became a TV reality of sex, fame, and sometimes tragedy, and it talks about the dark side of Love Island and how everything has changed since tragic events took place. And it's a very, very, very long article that I'd love to say that I'm going to read and report back on, but it's really long. But if you have any interest at all in reality TV, there is a podcast on BBC Sounds called Unreal, the history of reality TV. And it's uh, 10 or 11 episodes, and it goes from the original Big Brother with Craig and Nasty Nick all the way up to Selling Sunset. And it's a critical history of reality TV. And if you have any interest in the topic, and its impact on the culture. Please listen to it. That's my real news for this week. Listen to this podcast, Unreal, on BBC Sounds. 
But do not listen unless you have rinsed all of In the Isles back catalogue. Yeah. yeah. Along the same lines, have you heard of the British reality TV show There's Something About Miriam? Yes, but only after listening to the Unreal podcast where they talk about how horrible it was, how horrible an idea it was. Why do you bring that up? It just reminded me, you saying that, if, you, if you're equally interested by what James said, look up a podcast from the Wondry Network called Harsh Reality, which I don't know how this bypassed us. It was when we were in our late teens, you and I, and this was an absolutely diabolical production of reality TV where... Essentially, I'll spoil it for you. Group of single men hired to come into a villa and liaise with a transgender woman. No problem with that. That's absolutely fine. But they didn't tell them until they'd actually decided that they wanted to make a go of things. And it was all designed to just provoke a lot of uproar and drama and quite dastardly and evil, really. But there you go. Anyway, it just shows how dark and insidious the world of reality tv can be but there you go very interesting listen i would say so gone down a rabbit warren there haven't we yeah (laughs) let's dig ourselves out and transport ourselves to another universe perhaps yes in our main review hello i'd like to order an opinion please this film is new fresh point of view let me sit back this is a fact in the aisles, here's Russell Miles, thoughts in sync, tell you what to think. I'll listen to you, but please don't rap again. This week's main review is everything, everywhere, all at once. Mom, just wait. No time to wait. Very busy. Across the multiverse, I've seen thousands of Evelyns. If you can imagine it, somewhere out there. The universe is bigger than you realize. Do you think this is funny? There's no going back. Of all the places I could be, I just want to be here with you. When an interdimensional rupture unravels reality, an unlikely hero must channel her newfound powers to fight bizarre and bewildering dangers from the multiverse as the fate of the world hangs in the balance. James, what did you think of everything, everywhere, all at once? I'm not going to tease what my final statement is going to be. I love this film. It lives up to the hype. It's absolutely brilliant. It's beyond anything that you could imagine and beyond that. Um, So great to see something completely original. I'm just assuming it is original. I haven't actually looked that up. The, The plot, it's difficult to describe the events that happen in the film, but I think it's fairly straightforward. It is about... It's about Evelyn being introduced to the concepts of the multiverse and then being told, you, you may be the, the person that's going to make a difference in this battle that you didn't know about until now. So now let's 
have some fights and it's all going to get really emotional complicated weaved into all of that is an intergenerational drama dealing with uh with cultural identity that i really liked so a straightforward plot that throws in so much imagination and so many ideas that it's a hell of a ride and we talked about pace with doctor strange too how it was just too fast too much going on and i feel like i'm going to be a hypocrite now because with this film there's always so much going on it's so rich and full of ideas but it doesn't feel overwhelming or rushed despite the fact that there's so much going on it does actually take the time to just stop and let you breathe let you realize what's going on explain a few key concepts and then build things back up again i hadn't watched watched a trailer for this i didn't know what the target audience was supposed to be i'm guessing it's is it rated 15 it is rated 15 yeah but it's in it's and it's an action film, but it's not really, it's more like comedy action. It's not like brutal violence. So we can't really define who it's aimed at, but it because it is everything everywhere all at once, I'd say that it's aimed at everyone and everyone should watch it because it's not just an absurd comedy or an action film. I think what it's really about or what it's trying to say, there's a lot going on with, with family and identity and belonging and all that comes through really strongly, just as strongly as the, oh, it's a multiverse war plot. And I really, really liked that. And in the end, it does circle back to that idea of the family. It's really about family. That's what I'm saying. And Michelle Yo, I'm probably not saying her name right, but I just know her as the woman from... Crouching Tiger, Hidden Dragon, and Tomorrow Never Dies, and this is this is surely like the best performance she's ever done ever in her life. It's absolutely brilliant. And her husband, Waymond, his character's name, he's also he has to flip between a very serious character and a comic character that works really well. Her daughter, Joy, she plays more of a part than you think, and she's been everyone. Everyone's just brilliant in it everything comes together so perfectly i think i'm just going to keep repeating myself and keep talking i I couldn't i i could have watched another two hours of this film and i burst out in in tears twice it's unbelievable you pussy only once me yeah (laughs) only uh daniel what did you think of everything everywhere all at once so i made i made a few notes that are now completely obsolete so I'll get rid of them because it was about if you don't want to know anything. <laughs> <laughs> no, you you've not spoiled anything. You you genuinely haven't. But I I don't know about you. I'm sure you know both in the the film community. Just heard a lot about this like for months and months on end, and this was before it came out in the UK. So I, I was really really hyped. And one thing that built that up even further, was that this is an A24 production. We've mentioned A24 probably more than any other studio since this podcast began, because they do indie films and they take chances and they want to do something different. And anyway, big point about what I'm trying to say is that this overtook Uncut Gems in the last week. 
to be the highest grossing A24 film of all time. And you can see why, because this is this is such an ambitious film that speaks to a lot of people on very different levels. And where you were talking about Top Gun before, I believe that with this, the box office was where you see this like tail off week after week. There was actually an increase with this film just through word of mouth. So that's just been really fascinating to see a film just gain a bigger audience just from people saying, oh, you really need to check this out. And unfortunately, like I said at the beginning, we're telling you now when <laughs> you're probably not going to find it very easily in cinemas, but doesn't matter. Just hear our words and, you know, get hyped up for it arriving on streaming services, which it surely will do in time to come. And we've said it a lot of times on this podcast, expectations, just as you said, really, really high. I've not seen the other film that this directing duo have done, Swiss Army Man. Have you seen it? No, I haven't seen it. No. Daniel Kwan and Daniel Scheinart. Scheinart. Yeah. Daniel's known as. Worth calling them out because I didn't. Um, I'm intrigued now. I will watch that film after this. Anyway, we've known the buzz. I've tried to stay clear of what the film was, but anything that James has already said, I did know. I did know that. So it didn't ruin my enjoyment of the film. And it is completely mental. It is one of the most mental things I have seen in ages. But all the better for it, I think. And you kind of alluded to this as well. From literally one second to the next, you find yourself in a completely different time and a different universe. And in some respects, it's a bit all over the place and it shouldn't work. It just shouldn't work because it's so non-linear, if that makes sense. But somehow, irrespective of that bombardment of like stunning visuals and this choreography of fights and whatever throughout the film what's depicted at the heart of it is this story of family and belonging and acceptance and all that other emotional stuff that you drew attention to but it's done through a completely alternative lens and the editing I can't state it enough although I probably already have to an extent it is relentless and I don't know how, but rather than it coming across as like an incoherent mess and just a a barrage of images, I feel like I have to see this six times. Like every image in it makes sense in the moment to a degree. It might not right then and there when I'm watching it, but I'm sure when I go back, there will be some sort of like context to it, which I didn't really appreciate in the moment. Anyway, all that is to say, it's probably the most ridiculous and illogical visuals you'll ever see, but with a heart to it. And the cast are perfect. Mich- Michelle, how did you say it? Yao? I was going to say Yao, but let's go with that. Um, she's first presented as a bit of an ice-cold woman without any real emotional attachment to her family, and then suddenly she comes alive through this series of experiences and events. And just everyone in this, Jamie Lee Curtis, is just having a bit of fun and doing something different that you haven't seen her do before. And she's very much a side character. The husband, did you know, I didn't know this, my curiosity got the better of me. I thought, he looks well familiar. Looked him up. This is data from the Goonies. I don't know if they say data because of America. I can't remember the Goonies. It's 
what is it now? I don't know, 30-odd-year-old film. I don't know why they said it. This is data from the Goonies. That's mental. I can't believe it. He's not even starred in a lot of films, but it was fun to just see him back in film. Um, and, yeah, I really enjoyed that after learning it halfway through watching the film in the cinema. Don't IMDb things in the cinema. It's rude. Yeah, it's bad. He's also the he's the child from the Temple of Doom. Yes, yes. That was true. his first first role. Jonathan Key Kwan. Yes. Um, and and I liked as well that he wasn't. I'm not saying it's obligatory, and he should have been, but he wasn't this alpha male sort of character. It was a very <laughs> me. I'm not an alpha male. It was a very relatable sort of person. Quite a meek, mild-mannered sort of bloke. Um, and I like that, just as a bit of a variation. Cut to the chase. I've kept it, hopefully, generally vague, and I think James has as best he could. The less that you know, the better. This is 100% one of the most imaginative films that you'll see in the last five years, in my opinion. And I could watch this another six times without picking up half of the little Easter eggs that are thrown in um, throughout it. So, as I said at the beginning, I loved it. Well, I didn't say that at the beginning, but I want to watch Swiss Army Man now. I really, really do. Um, I want to see what this directing duo are capable of because I was just put off by the premise for that film. But I actually think, despite it being about a farting corpse, they're going to completely subvert my expectations and surprise me. And that's what they did with this. Uh, Even halfway through, I'm thinking, how can you make me care about this? This is bonkers. But they actually did. They really, really did. And it's great. Really, really good. And that point you said about how there's so many details, there's so much going on. I'm sure, and this is just one example, I'm sure in one shot someone's walking backwards in the background for no reason. Can't even remember that. Blink and you'll miss it. Yeah, just to (laughs) add to the confusion. And and not that James, the way that James said this was was genuine, and I agreed with what he said. But I think you said everyone should see this. Agreed. Some stuff in this. Don't take your mum to it. You'll have an awkward moment because there's uh, there's some stuff with dildos that might, you know. Yeah. Yeah. You you know what I'm saying. I know what you're saying. Yeah, I've got I've got a word that I'm going to hate myself for using this word. But you know how you said there was a lot going on, but you still followed it. It was Nolan-esque, maybe more Nolan-esque than Nolan has tried to be in some of the films, where there's so many different pieces of action happening simultaneously that are like physically unrelated, but there's a there's an emotional through line connects in it together mm-hmm. and if you if you can just hang on to that if you just hang on to that feeling it will take you through the insanity yeah yeah completely agreed see it as a celebration of the medium the the platy tubes of film yes <laughs> yeah it's it's a celebration and just to needlessly criticize marvel and and, and star wars because we have to say something negative. The um, with with say Doctor Strange two, which is also about the multiverse, which we both recommended. Yeah, a lot, a lot of effort goes into that. There's so much blood and sweat that goes into making that, but it still feels like it's coming off a production line, and you can feel the 
but you, you can feel the efficiency of it where they've just plopped them on the blue screen, made everything look nice around them. And it basically turns into a really well done animated film for most of it. Whereas this, the amount of creative effort that's gone into absolutely everything is, is amazing. And you can tell the difference between, say, a production line blockbuster film and something like this, where they're squeezing something out of every single moment and every single cut, everything all at once is so rich. And I, I'm really glad that you brought that up because I, I forgot to put it in my notes. But I, when I envisaged Doctor Strange without really knowing a lot about it, and I thought, oh, it's about the multiverse of madness. I kind of foresaw it as what this is to an extent, like completely different because of characters and whatnot. But you are transported from one literal second to the next to a completely different place. And it toys with that in Doctor Strange, but not. I don't feel like it fully embraces the idea of multiverse like this does. Yeah. There's one scene in Doctor Strange, which is in the trailer, where he flips through multiple universes in one slow motion shot. Then he gets plopped into one alternate universe, spends most of the film there, then goes to one other place briefly, then goes back home. That's yeah. the that's the multiverse of madness. But here, it's, it is nonstop. It does settle in at about four or five, but I'm getting into spoilers now, but it, it, it does flip around yeah. a lot. And the, the other thing to note for me is, and maybe I'm biased because I like this film film more, but millions and millions, we're talking 200 and odd million, I'm plucking a figure out of thin air there with Doctor Strange. This film would have been a fraction of that budget. I don't feel like you could split the difference between them. I feel like the, the money is as much on the screen and to the level of Doctor Strange. No, it's not. It's not, no. I'm, I'm, that's hyperbole. That's not warranted. But you really feel like this is an expensive film, if you know what I mean. I know what you mean, yeah. yeah. According to Wikipedia, Everything Everywhere All at Once, 25 mil. Doctor Strange 2, 200 mil, Ian. Well, that, that's what it's I'm trying to say. More. It's, what's that? Eight times more? Yeah. Without, without knowing the history and the rules of the game when it comes to Marvel films cost this much, independent films cost this much, if you were to not give me any background to those two films, I would not say one costs more than the other. Do you know what I mean? Yeah, I know what you mean. Yeah. 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 So they, they really made use of the budget. Right. <clears throat> so, yeah, I didn't like it. James, what about you? Well, I wasn't keen. Uh, didn't live up to the hype. I hate to be one of the... Three percent of people that didn't like it on Rotten Tomatoes, but wasn't for me. Overhyped. I think it's it is. I'll agree with the Guardian review by Peter Bradshaw. It is just a cynical show reel by two directors auditioning to try and direct the next Marvel film. They'll never do that. So, do you recommend it? Yes. <laughs> do you recommend everything everywhere all at once? Yes, I loved it. It's great. Let's go into spoilers. Bruce Willis. Real name is Tyler Durden. Sank at the end. Oh, thanks a lot. Spoilers. It's not possible to describe what happens at the end, I don't think. Read Wikipedia if you're interested. Yeah. Evelyn's daughter, Joy, she is an all-powerful 
interversal being that wants that she wants to destroy herself but then in the end evelyn brings joy back from the the brink and they decide oh family's great a lot of it is about no some of it is about this idea of realizing your potential and you know when um Waymond tells Joy, oh, you're like the other worst version of yourself, like you've not realized any of your potential. And there's all these other paths that you could have taken and you didn't take any of them. And you're you're awful. And I thought, oh, well, that 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 could have come across as a really negative message. I don't know about you, but what I saw from then on is that she could actually access all these other pieces of knowledge and experience and i thought what was going on and why i loved it so much and what i thought was a, one of the positive messages was that no matter what you've done up to now no matter what you've done up to now you can still make choices that can bring joy and new experiences to your life no matter what path you've taken until now you still have access to everything else in the world yeah literal joy not the character joy yeah yeah no, I, I, I really, I'm still, I'm, I'm taking it in. I am taking it in this film. I need to go back and watch it because there are moments in this film that didn't gel with me. So where the scene you're calling out where he's basically telling her, you're the worst version of yourself, seems overly harsh. But then at the end, where there's this sort of like reconciliation between mother and daughter, she refers to her as fat and tells her she needs to lose weight still, but then we're still supposed to hear that this is coming from the heart and it's all genuine. And maybe that's why that stubbornness from a previous character is still there and it is a bit of a, like, mm, this is a bit strange because she's being a knob with her, but then being very poignant at the same time. I don't know. <clears throat> yes, there's a lot to unpack. This is a film with layers, 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 layers. You just need to uh, dig into it a bit further. It's it, it's great. There's so much to uncover with it, I think. James, 40-minute time limit on Zoom. We need to wrap it up very quick. Yeah. That's spoilers. I need, I need to week. get ready to go on holiday, so that's why we need to... Yeah, sorry that we've cut it short and sweet. Thank you very much for listening to In The Hours Podcast. You can follow us at In The Hours Podcast on Instagram. You can also email us at inthehourspodcast at gmail.com. Leave us a five-star review and rating. James, people are going into the multiverse. Any words of advice for them before they... You already asked me that last time, I think. I oh, just God, said, yeah, Dr. Strange. I remember what I said. All I'll just say is that it's never too late in general. I've almost shed a tear. Goodbye, dear listeners. See you next week for Jurassic Park. No, Jurassic World Dominion. Bye. <laughs>